Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. back to Around the Arc, our first episode of the regular season. That time has finally come. The long-awaited return of the NBA is finally here. And I'm assuming you guys saw the games last night. Or, well, for you, it'll be two nights ago. I'm recording this on Wednesday. So I'm talking about opening night. We had... Uh, the Pelicans versus the Raptors, and the big one, the Battle of LA, the Clippers versus the Lakers. Both pretty damn entertaining games. I have to say, opening night did live up to the hype. Uh, the Pelicans-Raptors game, that was that was a tightly contested battle there. Even without Zion, you know, the Pelicans were looking pretty good most of the way through. Um, the Raptors, although they started slow, came up strong in the end and just pulled away in overtime. But um, a couple of standouts, I think. Pascal Siakam, first off, with 34-18-5. I mean, we were expecting a leap from him this year, and uh, he, he seemed pretty comfortable in his new go-to, I'm-the-man kind of role. And then I guess the other standout from that game, Fred Van Vliet, my goodness. They have 34 points or so. Yeah, 34 points and 7 assists. Good, right. I don't expect him to keep that sort of level of production up, but if they can, if they can get consistent offense from Van Vliet, man, that, I think that raises this Raptors team ceiling. But Forgive me, I know I'm probably overreacting, it's just one game. And I'm going to do the exact same for the Battle of LA, because that was an interesting one. Um, Again, very tightly contested game, very entertaining matchup most of the way through. Started at the Lakers, got out to a fast start, they were looking really good. But um, I think, you know, they kind of stagnated after a while. I think they were maybe force-feeding AD in the post a little bit too much. LeBron wasn't uh, consistently involved. But um, then on the Clippers' side, man, Kawhi got off to a pretty good start. They have like 20 points in the first half. The Clippers were looking pretty good without Paul George, I have to say. And moving into the second half, the Clippers, well, they pull away, have a 14-point lead at some point, um, but then the Lakers bring that all the way back to 85 all, and at that point right there, that was LeBron's time to say, right, thanks everyone for getting us back in the game, let me let me take it from here, or let me and AD take it from here. 
That unfortunately that wasn't the case. LeBron and AD, I think they combined for two points in the fourth quarter or something, which was is kind of inexcusable in a way. I mean, they were feeding Danny Green, who just went nuts yesterday, scoring twenty eight points. He just went absolutely ballistic in the second half. But even even with that, that should be an extra bonus on top of LeBron and AD's dominance, and it just wasn't there in the fourth quarter, which obviously led to the Clippers pulling away. But yeah, not not the best start for the Lakers, not the best start for Revenge LeBron, but again, it's just one game, and I think the Clippers are looking pretty good uh, without Paul George, which means, you know, watch out for when he comes back. But anyway, uh, enough of that. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you're all caught up with the with the action. Anyway, let's just get into the meat of today's episode. Which what we're gonna do for this the opening week of the regular season. I've got two episodes for you this week. Uh, the other one will be coming on Sunday, I think. Um, but we're just going to finish off our predictions that we've been doing the last couple of weeks. So. Um, we've done bold predictions, I think, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, then I did my awards predictions last week. And this week, we're going to be going through my predictions for both the Eastern and Western Conference standings, the playoff seating, basically. All right, so today we're going to do the East because it's a lot easier. Sunday, we're going to tackle the West, which is going to be a heck of a lot more difficult. But um, yeah, so without without any further ado, let's just get right into this, shall we? So in the Eastern Conference, the much weaker of the two conferences, um, I'd be surprised if, if anyone had the top two seeds different to me. I've, obviously, it's going to be the Bucks and the Sixers at the top of the Eastern Conference. I think that's almost a given. But, yeah, the question then becomes who's going to be first and who's going to be second. Now, you could easily make a case for either one. I've got the Bucks finishing in first this year. Um, I mean, you look at this Bucks team this season, they've got pretty much the same squad as a year ago. Their two main losses being Malcolm Brogdon and Nikola Mirotic. Now, I think those two will definitely be missed for sure, but... I mean, Milwaukee, they still have Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, if he can bounce back from his disappointing playoff run. And they also have enough shooting in depth surrounding Giannis that I think they should still have enough to get that one seed. And if and if Giannis can come back with a jumper, then, I mean, forget about it, man. I think that's going to be him getting his second MVP, and I think the Bucks will be wrapping up the season as the number one seed then second place i've got philadelphia um now i think once once their chemistry develops i think the sixers can bolster the best starting lineup in the entire league i mean their size length defensive potential especially i mean that's almost unmatched by any other team in the league You look on offense, there are some legitimate questions about their floor spacing and depth. I mean, their bench is pretty awful. Uh, And that's kind of why I'm giving the Bucks the edge. But 
if Ben Simmons can start knocking down outside shots, and I think if Joel Embiid can play, you know, somewhere around 70 games or so, at an MVP level, I feel I should add, then I, w- I wouldn't be too surprised at all to see the Sixers atop the Eastern Conference instead of the Bucks at year's end. So that's going to be an interesting race to keep an eye on, actually, an interesting side story. But yeah, I think you'd be you'd be a little bit crazy to think that any other team's going to be competing for the number one seed in the East. So from this point, this is where it starts to get a bit more interesting from from the third seed onwards. Now, you could have a fair few teams in in your third spot. I'm going with the Boston Celtics. Um, now, I think if the Pacers, if they had a fully healthy Oladipo right from the start of the season, I think I'd have them as my third seed. But since that isn't the case, and to be honest, we don't really know when Oladipo's coming back, then I've got Boston on here. For a few reasons, other than just Oladipo's health, um, which I'll which I'll get into which I'll get into now. Um I guess the one major shortcoming for this Boston team is their center rotation. And yeah, that is pretty weak, but I think this Boston team has everything else it needs under Brad Stevens to be, you know, a forty seven to fifty win team, I think. And Kemba Walker seems to be a better point guard for Stevens than Kyrie was. And I think because of that, guys like Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward, they're going to get a lot more opportunities this year. I mean, there has been a fair bit of chatter about Hayward getting back to all-star form that he showed in Utah. And I think if he can do that, along with Tatum taking another step and Kemba just being Kemba, then... You know, the Seas have a pretty formidable big three right there. Now, Jalen Brown, he appears to be the odd man out in this situation. And, I mean, there were still trade talks going on until recently. But, I mean, he signed an extension with the Celtics. I guess that that doesn't mean it's impossible that he still won't be traded. But if he does stay on the team, for the foreseeable future at least, I mean he'll still be able to provide some stellar perimeter defense and occasional offensive outbursts, which I think that could make him a bit of an X-factor come playoff time. But yeah, my my expectations aren't quite as high for Brown this year, which I guess, you know, there's always room to be surprised then, and he might, he might just come out and set the world on fire. We never know. But yeah, I think all the pieces are there, I think, for this this Boston team to... Yeah, win maybe around 50 games and lock up that third seed. Fourth, I've got the Brooklyn Nets, actually. Now, people aren't expecting all that much from the Brooklyn Nets this season since newly acquired Kevin Durant will probably miss the entire season. But even without KD, I think this Nets team is nothing to scoff at at all. I mean, say what you want about Kyrie Irving's time in Boston and the way it finished, but at the end of the day... He still led them to 49 wins and the conference semifinals as the de facto offensive leader and only real kind of superstar on the team. I know they had Al Horford, but he's not your traditional star star player. But um, now he, he wasn't without his flaws, of course, especially when it came to his leadership. But I mean, if Kyrie can learn from some of those, 
I think we could be in store for Kyrie's best season yet. And then you go down the roster and you see why there's cause for optimism, I think, for Nets fans. Karis LeVert appears to be on the verge of a breakout and as the number two scoring option. He could be competing for an all-star spot in the West, in the East, I think, maybe. Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the best sixth men in basketball, and I think he should definitely provide much-needed scoring and playmaking off the bench. Uh, in fact, if you didn't catch my episode last week, I actually had him as my sixth man of the year pick. And then you have Jarrett Allen and DeAndre Jordan, who are both starting-caliber centers, and since they're not going to be playing a whole lot together. I think Brooklyn will have a stellar rim protector in the game at all times. Which, you know, I I know uh, some people weren't too high on the DeAndre signing because they thought it would get in the way of Jarrett Allen and his development. And yeah, there is there is a legitimate case to be made for that. But, I mean, looking at the positives, yeah, the Nets are going to have a starting big man in the game pretty much at all times. And then under coach Kenny Atkinson, who is a pretty pretty decent coach, I have to say, I, that should be enough for at least 46 wins, I think. Maybe maybe a bit more. But yeah, this I'm, I'm pretty high on this Brooklyn team, man. Number five, uh, the fifth seed I've got going to the Miami Heat. Now, I think the Heat are one of the tougher teams to predict this year. I mean, it feels like they could finish anywhere, really, between 3rd and 8th. But the addition of Jimmy Butler, it does give some much-needed star power and bucket-getting ability. Bam Adebayo seems set for a breakout season, and they have enough other guys and supporting pieces like Justice Winslow, who kind of broke out last, last season, and... Uh, Goran Dragic, who should be healthy as well this year. Um, And who knows, they might also be able to pull off a Chris Paul trade during the season. And if they can get CP3, that'll definitely lift the team's immediate upside, at least. Um, And then with a Heat team, like with pretty much every year, we know that they're going to be well coached. And we kind of expect them to play hard, which really should be enough in the Eastern Conference, given the pieces that they have. And, yeah, I think one of the main question marks for the Heat is going to be Justice Winslow. Um, Assuming he doesn't get involved in a trade uh, for Chris Paul or anything, but if he stays on the Heat, I'm not sure how the fit's going to work between him and Jimmy Butler. Because as we saw last year, Justice Winslow began to thrive when he played a lot of point guard, when he had a lot of ball handling and playmaking duties. But with Jimmy Butler on the team, there aren't going to be as many of those opportunities to go around. Um, So it, it will be a bit interesting to see how that pairing works out. But other than that, man, not many holes in this team. You've got a, another guy I forgot to mention, Tyler Harrow their rookie, who in preseason at least looked really, really good, like star potential type good. So yeah, Miami Heat, another team I'm I'm pretty high on. Uh, the sixth seed, I've got the Pacers. Now, like I was saying earlier, until, until Victor Oladipo comes back and gets back to 100%, we really won't know how good this Indiana team can be. 
I mean, bringing in guys like TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon, I think will help them stay afloat in the playoff race with Oladipo sidelined. And if if one of either Miles Turner or Demantis Sabonis can take another leap, then that's just a bonus and that might uh, bump them up in the standings a wee bit. Now, with a healthy Oladipo, the Pacers, I think, are a third seed who could at least compete with the Bucks and Sixers, I think. I don't think they're on that level. I think they're maybe one one notch below. Um, but without without Victor, they're going to be a kind of middle-of-the-pack, slightly above-average squad. So the quicker he can come back, the better. I've seen some reports saying that it will be December, others saying it will be January, you know, they certainly don't want to rush him back, but the quicker that he can get back to full health, the better for this Indiana team. At seventh seed, I've got the Toronto Raptors. Now, the defending NBA champs, they're no longer title contenders, that's for sure, but they're definitely not going to be a pushover either, and they they got off to a pretty decent start in their win against the Pelicans on opening night. You know, with the defense, experience, leadership of guys like Kyle Lowry, Mark Gasol, Serge Ibaka, you know, along with the expected improvement of Siakam and the surprise breakout of Fred Van Vliet, if he can keep that level of play up. You know, you have a recipe there for a team that nobody, nobody at all is going to want to face in the first round of the playoffs. I mean, yeah, they lost Kawhi. You know, he's only the best player in the NBA. But in the games that Kawhi missed a year ago, the Raps went 17-5. and five. Now, I know that some of the older guys on the squad may start slowing down a bit more this year, but with the expected leap from Siakam to legit star status, I think Toronto should definitely still be in the postseason and maybe challenge whoever they face in the first round who knows now final spot the eighth seed i think there are a few teams i think that could legitimately sneak in and get this spot but i'm going with the detroit pistons um for a few reasons number one they have arguably a top five player in the eastern conference in blake griffin who if he can remain healthy i know he's out till november but if he can come back then and be be healthy for the rest of the year. I know it's a bit of an if for Griffin, but if he can, uh, well, he'll definitely be looking to build upon his season a year ago, which was his most complete season to date, I think. Um, they also uh, The Pistons also have Andre Drummond to round out one of the more frightening front courts in, in the NBA. You've got Derek Rose, who is a fantastic pickup, on it, I think, and although... Reggie Jackson may be the starter over over him. I think Rose will prove to be the much-needed second scorer and shot creator, I think, behind Blake Griffin. I think, again, with Rose, if he can stay healthy, big, big season, I think, in store. And finally, this could be the year that one of Detroit's other guys has a breakout. I think the most obvious candidate here is Luke Kennard. He seems to be the guy that everyone talks about finally making a leap. And, yeah, sure could. Um, definitely a possibility. But I think maybe another guy that could emerge as a as a legitimate contributor could be a guy like Bruce Brown, the, the two-guard, who's 
known for his defense, but if he can if he can maybe knock down some shots as well, then I think he could be a very valuable contributor on both ends this year. And also, out of the teams that will likely be fighting for these final playoff spots, Detroit has the most experience by a pretty significant margin. Now, I know that is definitely not the be-all, end-all. You certainly see young upstart teams um, beat out more experienced ones, but it is something worth considering especially you know if it's a tight race when we get down the stretch of the regular season and things i think that's when we might see it come into play a bit more but anyway yeah that's that's why i've got the pistons at number eight and finally i'll just go through a few teams that i think will also be in the race but who i currently have on the outside looking in so I've got three teams here. The first off is the Orlando Magic, who made the playoffs as the eighth seed a year ago. Uh, not the eighth seed. They got in the seventh seed a year ago. But yeah, I think if if one of their guys like Markel Fultz, Jonathan Isaac maybe, or Aaron Gordon, you know, either any of those guys could potentially have a breakout, and that could be all the Magic need to make it back to the postseason for a second year in a row. But I think with the uncertainty of that happening, along with a slight regression from Vucevic, I think we'll we'll expect to see this year. I have them on the outside looking in for now. That may change if, if like I said, one of those three guys I mentioned comes out and just totally balls out. Then I may change my mind. But for the time being, yeah, I've got them on the outside looking in. Another team I think is going to be pretty interesting this season is the Chicago Bulls. Now, I think if they can get some consistent production from the point guard spot, you know, if if Chris Dunn can stay healthy and productive, I think he can still be a starting caliber point guard. And also if uh, Kobe White can contribute from day one, that'll also be be a bonus. Um, I think that, along with the continued development of Zach Levine and Larry Markinen, having Wendell Carter Jr. healthy for a full season, and also playing in the Eastern Conference, you know, if all those things come together, that might be enough for Chicago to surprise some people and sneak in as an eighth seed or something. But I think with the Bulls, they're maybe still a year away. But regardless of any of that, they're still going to be a fun team to watch for sure. They're one of my league pass teams, I think, this year. And speaking of league pass teams, the the final squad I have as a maybe dark horse playoff threat is the Atlanta Hawks. Now, I put them on here, but I, I don't really think they're going to make the playoffs. I've seen, I've seen some people have them as a dark horse. Uh, playoff contender but I, I like with the Bills I think they're still a year or so away I mean again they're going to be a league pass team 100% and with their young core of Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter and their rookies DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish as well Um, I mean they've got Vince Carter as that veteran presence and the leader in the locker room you know, they've got all of that, but and they're going to be exciting as hell to watch, but I think they're just going to struggle a little bit too much on defense, and I, I don't think they've got quite enough experience yet on the roster to make real noise this season. 
They're going to be competitive. Don't get me wrong. They're going to win some games, but I just don't think they've got enough this year to make it in. But yeah, that 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 pretty much does it for my Eastern Conference predictions. Uh, if you want to let me know who you think in and who you think's going to make it in, who's going to be on the outside, um, then you can let me know your Eastern Conference standings predictions. You can uh, hop on Twitter and tweet me at Around the Arc Pod. Give me your give me your standings predictions. But yeah, that'll that'll do it for today, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed the episode, and yeah, I'll have another one coming for you on Sunday. Um, I hope I hope you like this uh, new kind of format that I'm doing a couple of episodes a week. Uh, again, feel free to let me know. You can leave a review of the podcast on on whatever uh, platform you're listening to this on. Um, yeah, love to hear your thoughts, comments, suggestions, and all that. Would also love to see some five stars as well. But um, yeah, so that that does it for me, guys. I'll see you again on Sunday where we're going to be tackling the much more difficult Western Conference. So make sure you tune in for that. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.